Hi everyone, this is Work Appropriate and I'm your host, Anne Helen Peterson. Here on the show, we try and grapple with a lot of problems whose roots are pretty systemic, like the vast majority of stuff we talk about can be traced back to the gender and racial wage gap and all of the things that feed that, and or rapid growth capitalism. Today's episode is a little bit different. We're talking about all the things your coworkers do that just really get on your nerves. They may seem small, but even dripping water can wear down a rock. And yes, some of these things definitely have to do with race and class and rapid growth capitalism. And then some of them, as you'll see, involve weekly emails written in the voice of a dog named Fenway. For our co-host, I've asked someone who is very, very good at recognizing absurd behavior and calling it what it is. My name is Liz Lenz, and I am a journalist and author, and I live in Iowa, and I write the newsletter Men Yell at Me. So one of the recurring features, one of my favorite recurring features in your newsletter is the dingus of the week. So please tell me the genesis of the dingus, and how do you qualify for dingus of the week? Mm, That's such a great question. So back when I was an opinion columnist for my local newspaper, I got in trouble for telling people that they were dumb on the internet. And (laughs) I wasn't using such foul language, although I have been known to... you know, have like a fishmonger's wife kind of a vocabulary. What happened was, is anybody who lives in a state and has paid attention to their state legislature knows that it's just filled with chuckleheads. And so, you know, part yeah, of my we call them, we call them wackadoodles yes. in, in the Northwest. Chuckleheads, yeah. wackadoodles. Chuckleheads. Yes, totally. Yes. Um, and so like part of my job then at the paper was to just kind of like call out some of these things. And I had gotten some pushback, you know, being the only female columnist. People were like, how dare she? And so kind of like as a joke, I was like, oh, you want me to tone it down? Okay, I'll just call y'all dinguses. You know, like trying to think of just like a silly nonsense word that still gets the point across without being accused of being foul-mouthed and although I am foul-mouthed and that at the time the the head of the Iowa GOP literally was putting my face in an attack ad for um against a senator being like she's endorsed by foul-mouthed crude (laughs) women and I was like oh my god that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said so it kind of started as this joke and then when uh the GOP eventually got me fired from my job it turned into this way of kind of like reclaiming that and yeah. um and one of my favorite writers and I know she's so many people's favorite writers is Molly Ivins the late columnist from Texas and I'm a Texas lady myself I kind of like took inspiration from her she talks about like fighting the good fight and how you always have to like kind of find joy and humor humor even 
in the darkness. And so when I was fired, I was pretty depressed. And somebody suggested that as a way of kind of like using humor to kind of cope with all the dark forces at play that, you know, I start a little weekly dingus feature and I did. And it, it, some weeks it feels pretty silly. Um, but I think people have really grown fond of it in a way where um, yes. it's it's it feels in some ways like the steam release valve on a pressure cooker and just being able to laugh at stuff. So the way you become a dingus as you just do something really stupid and we always try to punch up one of my favorite things in the beginning when I started it was people would get into my dms and I don't know like what people think the dingus is like if they think like Jeff Bezos is reading the newsletter and is like <laughs> he's like oh no Liz Lenz doesn't like me shucks you know I don't think anybody gives Oh, crap. But, like, people get really into it. And, like, often, especially in the beginning, people would DM me and be like, you should pick my coworker as the dingus. And I'm like, well, I'm sure Cheryl is annoying as hell. But I am not going to write a whole letter dedicated email dedicated to Cheryl in accounting. Like, I just don't. It just doesn't feel right. <laughs> Everyone has their personal dingus to bear. So because our questions today are not as heavy as our, our usual episodes, but that doesn't mean that they're not as important because work is filled with everyday problems. Sometimes those problems are very uh, systemic and difficult to grapple with. And like sometimes annoying coworkers just generally can wear you down. So if we can help you deal with them, if Liz and I can help you deal with them, we're going to do our best. Uh, our first question is from Z. My employer used to run annual elections for the office mascot. Uh, employees were encouraged to submit pictures of their pets and write a small blurb about their personalities, quirks, etc. And the staff would vote on which pet would rep the company for the following year. Well, they haven't organized the campaign in several years, and the last winner was a sweet puppy named Fenway. Since Fenway's win, his owner sends emails every Friday morning to the entire staff, dubbed appropriately as Fenway Friday. The messages are sent as if Fenway, the dog, has composed them herself. Not only that, these emails are full of cringy dog puns, some of which are massive failures in their structure. Some examples are yappy hour, pup-tastic, pawcation, and most cursed of them all, unpaw-fortunately. This has gone on for years now. What's worse, this is a coworker, so I can't simply block her from sending them to me. Am I right in thinking that these emails are useless and have long since run their course, or am I being a joyless, unreasonable stick in the mud? Your thoughts, no matter what, are appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just have to say that when this question came in, Melody, our producer, sent it to me immediately. Knowing that I am a dog person and yeah. I, I love dog content, Melody is also a dog person. You are a dog person, right, yeah, Liz? I am a dog person. I've got two dogs in this room with me right now. Yeah. Wow, that's like way braver recording style than I am. But I, I have, I have two, two, <laughs> I have two minds about this. So I would like to hear your reaction first, though. <laughs> so 
one of my jobs for a long time was uh, running the social media accounts of a as unnamed very large uh, pet food brand where I would have to write <laughs> tweets in the voice of both a dog and a cat. So I am a pet person, but I have to I have to empathize with Z here in knowing that there is truly nothing more baffling than like an, a grown adult like really committing to this bit in such a way <laughs> that is like do you do you have friends like do do you go to yappy hour like do you like and so um but I also question like maybe there's other stuff going on at work that's really putting Z on edge and maybe this is just the straw that's breaking the camel's back because Z cannot do anything about this you cannot no no you can't stop it you can't and, and also like do not become the person who then suggests the new mascot thing because if you become that person to like say oh maybe we can pick a new mascot then you will run it and everybody will hate you and you will take on a whole new you will open up the portals to a whole new hell you haven't even been able to imagine yet so what z has to do is find a way to cope my suggestion would be just to save these emails and then give their friends a dramatic reading at a happy hour in a safe space later like turn this into an inside joke with friends find a way to cope but you can't sing anything you can't blink you just have to delete those emails <laughs> yes i mean my and move on this my impulse as well is that i i am not a pun person just generally and this this style of dog appreciation is not my style of dog appreciation but like i i just feel like probably this person who's sending these for fenway they're getting real pleasure out of it, don't you think? Oh, it like, means this is like, this so like makes much a lot. to this person. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And the fact that it's going on continuously means that this is like part of the office culture. Yeah. I empathize with it being annoying, but you just, I think this is just a way where it's like you have to find a humorous way to cope. Yeah, well, and even I am sure that writing this question to us was yes. probably also very therapeutic because right? sometimes you just want to be like here is this thing it's driving me up the wall and no one gets it but now so many people are going to know about Fenway the other way is like just just is to die a little on the inside and to just kind of like accept that this is a completely harmless annoying thing that happens just lean in but then but then if they ever leave this workplace they're gonna like forward the Fenway emails to them they're like oh yeah remember how you were really into this (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be a problem okay so our advice just to recap is acknowledge that this is giving the sender a lot of joy and it's part of the company culture and there's no way that you can actually do anything about it and then you could either you could make a folder that it automatically goes into, like anything that has Fenway in it goes somewhere, right? Like you could do that, or you can just really use it as a, a way for like an inside joke with yourself, your partner, a friend, that sort of thing to yeah. to, to find your own joy in the ridiculousness of Fenway. And it 
might also be like worth examining what is underneath that irritation. Like, is there other stuff going on at work? Like, is the person who sends this email doing some other thing? Like, why is this the straw that feels like it's breaking the camel's back? And, you know, maybe there's some underlying issues that you could handle. And then Fenway gets to just keep being Fenway, who has... I mean, who doesn't? It's blameless in this blameless. scenario. Blameless. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question is one that I think a lot of women of a certain age will relate to. This is from someone named Diane, and our producer Melody is going to read it. How can you be an effective office manager without being seen as the office mom? I love what I do, but I find sometimes my colleagues struggle to understand that I do high level work, like vetting vendors and making purchasing decisions and not just watering the plants and ordering more toner. It's frustrating when I'm on a big, important call or in a one-to-one meeting with my boss and Slack is blowing up with messages about the coffee machine acting up or how they just realized there's a conference in three days they haven't booked a hotel for. Is there a polite way to say, can you take five minutes to try and fix this yourself first? Okay, this is so frustrating. My friend has uh, a tactic for this when similar scenarios come up in like a group chat like we just have some roles of like some people being the people who take care of things and some people being the people who don't take care of things and she used to just send a link and you click it and it said like can I google this for you essentially and that's kind of hostile (laughs) we try not to do that anymore but how can an office manager who is a woman not be seen as also a mom who is a caretaker and picks up other people's slack and like does things that other people refuse to take the time to figure out themselves. Like, how can she figure this out? I mean, I think it's important to note that most women get treated like this in the office. Like, there have been studies done that show that, you know, even if this isn't their assigned job, that women are the ones cleaning the coffee pot, making sure, you know, that the mugs are washed. Taking Uh, notes. Cleaning the refrigerator. Yeah. Making sure that someone's birthday is celebrated. Yes. All of the noticing things, you know, Mm -hmm. like that is, they are the noticers. It sounds to me like, the the things that this uh, person is being asked to do are perhaps still part of her job description, but just not always the most important things on her job yeah. description. And, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, yeah. but I think the thing is like she just wants more respect. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple ways you can go about it. One thing that I I tend to do is I tend to put things on ice. Like, you know, if I have more important things to do, right, because um, then I'll say, you know what, I'm actually dealing with this other issue right now. I'm going to need a couple hours before I can come to this. So just like set expectations clearly or um, take a moment not to respond to the email because something that I think I've learned as a human being And as a woman walking through this world is that like people always expect you to jump when they say jump. And when you you Mm -hmm. have to train them not to treat you like that, which is frustrating. And, you know, people should be good people in the world, but they're not. And so, you know, one of the I call it the putting people on ice thing where I I sit down and I'll say, okay, what's the most important thing for me to do to do my job? And then I have to communicate to others and say, 
I hear your frustration. I'm dealing with these five other issues right now. I will get to this by the end of the day or by the end of the day tomorrow. But if that's not soon enough for you, here's some other things you can do and just start training people. Um, I'm constantly telling people I can only do one thing at a time. And this is not the thing I'm doing at the moment. And just finding like some of those like phrases that you can use that kind of like push back on people because I mean you can't be too hostile in that role because then the flip side of being seen as a caretaker is then being seen as the bitch if you say or you're not not quote unquote good at your job when what you're actually doing is like yeah (laughs) prioritizing within your job but I think it's okay to say like I am in a meeting with about picking vendors I will get to this when I have time and I always like also buffer that time like don't be honest Mm -hmm. about it like at least throw in three to four Three hours. Yes, like, like I, I am happy to, and you can like use some of that yeah. language that like makes you seem more. You'd be like, I'm happy to help you with this in the afternoon. Like right now, I'm I'm busy with this meeting or I have this other obligation, but I'm happy to help you with this in three or four hours, and they will probably take care of it themselves. Yeah. So the one thing I will say, not to be too academic about it, but I do think that this. People behaving this way is a symptom of a real change in office culture that's happened over the course of the last 50, 60, 70 years, which, you know, before (laughs) men in an office like, you know, I'm not talking about a factory floor, but men in an office would all have their own secretaries, right? Like, so they would have these personalized assistants who, if they needed something, they could just ask for it and someone would refill the coffee. They would make an appointment for their dinner with their wife. They would pick out a a present. Like they were concierges as well. And then they also had their wives at home. So there was this understanding that like you could have all of this assistance and all the men would be left to do was like they're just their job. (laughs) And I think as we have changed for better and for worse, the way that offices work, that labor has been Instead of every person having one secretary, it's been consolidated into one office manager who essentially functions as an assistant for the entire office. And people still treat that office manager as if they are their personal assistants. I also think, though, that part of the reason why people are asking this particular office manager to do these things that they could figure out, right, like that they could Google themselves, that they could facilitate or they're like scheduling conference travel three days before, the reason why that happens is because they themselves are so overworked. Right? Mm-hmm. Companies have so few redundancies now that not only do they not have, you know, maybe there are three people who should be doing this office manager's job, but then also the other workers are trying to do more work than they probably should be doing. And when you're overworked, you make, I don't know, I find myself doing this, right? Like you you don't read closely enough and you respond to the email and you don't answer two of the three questions that they've asked you, right? You're right. just a more careless coworker. And so I don't think that's an excuse. I think it's an explanation. But I think that your advice about like trying to explain like here's what I'm doing now and pushing it down the road, like that is – that is something mm-hmm. that this particular person can do. If this person also trusts their manager in any sort of way, they can be like, here are a lot of the requests that I'm getting. And I wonder if it's worth a conversation with the company at large about like, here is what our office manager does. And here is what they do not do. I wonder if there'd also be a way to like put together a master document of frequently asked questions where, mm-hmm. you know, this person could say, hey, I'm busy doing this other thing right now, but here is this master document of like 
the intranet ways, as ways yes the ways the you can the ways you can handle this problem if you can't fix it mm-hmm. in the next 12 hours before i can get to it then i can help you right. but in the meantime if you needed a dress like here's a little flow chart of how to order your own freaking coffee and i have all of these like templates in my email for very frequently asked questions like if someone's having problems with this yes. discord here's how you troubleshoot it yeah and coming up with those templates just makes me resent those questions far 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 less right because yes. i'm not retyping the answer each time yeah so it's almost like you turn into a chat bot for a second and and send the, the answers that way Yeah, it's so interesting. I was just reading an article this morning about the ways that secretarial work has been uh, devalued and replaced because it's largely seen as, quote unquote, women's work. And so, right, we had like there there was this culture, the secretarial culture, which in downsizing and consolidating, of course, those were seen as the most disposable jobs. Right. But they're also super essential. And so it's this like push and pull of devaluing work while also continuing to make this work another woman's problem. And it just becomes, yeah. like you said, this like really intense cycle. And so it sounds like this person is just like managing the expectations and failures of corporate culture individually. <laughs> yes. And it sounds yes. really it sounds really frustrating and all my empathy, but yeah, I th- I do I love the strategy of just like on ice, on ice yep. because it helps protect me and my feelings too. Okay, so our strategy or our advice for this person is pause, right? Like just kind of yeah. kick the ball slightly down the day's court. But then also develop either automatic replies or an intranet or an FAQ that is helpful in terms of pushing that person to advice that is already there instead of them having to deal with it every single time. And then if they need to, dealing with it in the future. Work Appropriate is brought to you by Smile Actives. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Are your teeth aging you? Popular food and drinks are known to stain teeth. Beverages like coffee and wine stain them over time. So what can you do to brighten your smile? Well, you should give Smile Actives a try. Smile Actives is safe, effective, easy to use, and will keep you smiling proudly. 97% of Smile Actives users in a clinical trial reported up to six shades whiter on average, all within 30 days. Have you ever wished you had a whiter and brighter smile? Well, before you visit a dentist, you should know that their whitening treatments can be very expensive, and it's not just the price. You also have to book the appointment and schedule time away from work or your family to sit in a dentist's office chair while undergoing the procedures. It's a hassle. Fortunately, now you can try Smile Actives at home or anywhere, anytime. Smile Actives offers a safe and an affordable alternative to those expensive whitening procedures. Simply add Smile Actives Pro Whitening Gel to your regular toothpaste. It's been formulated with polyclean technology to boost stain removal and deliver active whitening ingredients into teeth, grooves, and crannies to get better whitening. Smile Actives is the whitening boost your favorite toothpaste needs to give you the smile you deserve. Visit smileactives.com work today to receive our special buy one get one free offer plus free shipping and handling that's smileactives.com work work appropriate is brought to you by zocdoc all right so this morning i woke up and i had some vertigo i've had vertigo before it's sometimes like there's these just little these little crystals that get loose in your head and i'm not making this up but if it lasted 
I was going to text my group chat and be like, uh, should I go to the doctor? Like, do I need to find a specialist to figure out this particular problem? My family practitioner just retired. I need to find a new one. No matter what, I was going to be very unlikely to find an actual doctor by texting my friends. But I can find a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and can give you the expert care that you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. Go to ZocDoc.com work and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash work. ZocDoc.com slash work. Work Appropriate is brought to you by Shopify. Do you hear that sound? You should know what that means. That is your sign this year, finally, to forget about all of those run-of-the-mill resolutions that's your sign to this year, finally, forget about all of those run-of-the-mill resolutions and instead start your own New Year's revolution. It's the sound to start selling on Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling succulents or, I don't know, fine art prints, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. No matter how big you want your business to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash workappropriate. That's an all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash workappropriate to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash work appropriate. Our next question is about a default expectation of parenthood in your office. This is from Allie. I'm a woman in my early 30s in a straight relationship. I don't have kids and don't have plans to. Some of my women coworkers will make comments about parenthood. A subordinate colleague has said things like, you'll understand when you have kids. I've been with a peer, and if we see a cute baby, she'll ask, don't you want one of those? I think this woman may feel threatened by me and says things like, well, I'm a mom, to explain away her checking in on people or worrying about things in ways that don't prioritize professional relationships and responsibilities. Any advice for navigating assumptions around parenthood at work, especially when it feels condescending? Okay, so I am hearing two different problems, both of them serious, in this question. The first is people butting into Ali's reproductive life. 
clearly none of their business. The second is people using parenthood as an excuse for what Allie thinks is unprofessional or boundary crossing behavior. So let's start with that first one. What is a line that we could give Allie to use when people make those comments about like, you'll understand when you're a mom? My advice to Allie is, again, like use the pressure cooker, like steam valve release thing. Like it might be good. And we're going to do this in a second. But I would also encourage Allie to do this with like some of her like minded friends in the group chat. Be like, OK, let's come up with some sassy replies so that they ha- that Allie has those replies ready to go. Because women are socialized to have parenthood be that thing. And like often in awkward social situations, I I was raised in Texas. I live in the middle of the country, right? Like parenthood is just like one of those things that's like the weather. It's like talking about the weather. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And And people don't even like women don't, especially women of a certain generation and maybe I'm making assumptions, but there's also that Loretta Lynn song about, you know, the places the women's movement didn't hit. And that's so real. Like, and so like these, these women might not even be aware that they're being offensive, but that's not an excuse because these conversations have been happening and they choose not to participate. So I would say like, come up with some like quippy little replies that you can say to like, you know, like, and then like you're understand when you're a parent, and you'll be like, well, then I guess I ne- will never understand, <laughs> you know, and thank God for that. Or, you know what I'll I do? Understand. You know what I do understand? A good night's sleep, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just coming off the top yeah. of my head. Hot, yeah. hot and fresh here. They're terrible. Well, and even I yeah. feel like sometimes you don't have to. It depends on how comfortable she is with his coworkers. But like, I find that whenever I'm just honest and you, you like don't feel weird about it. Yeah. It just nips the conversation in the bud that you're yeah. just like, oh, I don't think I'm going to have kids. And then yeah. people just be like. And then they won't say it again because they're going to feel awkward and they don't want to revisit that awkwardness. That's, but I think that that's totally fine because they're like they're making these assumptions about you and your reproductive choices that make Allie feel awkward. So it's totally fine for Allie to flip it back and like say something quick, quippy and makes them feel awkward and they'll learn, you know, uh, like you said, like they're they're going to be like, oh. Uh, right. And okay. she shouldn't. Uh, and Allie doesn't say this in the, the question, but she shouldn't feel like it's being rude because right. in truth, they're being rude by making this assumption about you. Right. So it's not being rude to say And that. they might just be saying it because they're just socialized yeah. to say it this way. And like and then all you got to do is just, you know, flip it back and just be real quippy and uh, let her, you know, I. It does. I'm sure Allie deals with this in every facet of their life. So it's got to just be one of those things. It's just like here again, like I can't just do my work. Now I got to talk about my freaking uterus, you know, like. Well, and especially if she's in her early 30s, she's going to get this more. So it's a good practice. You know, I did it like especially when I'm no longer married. But when I first got married and moved to um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know, people would be like, what do you do? And if I said, you know, I'm a writer, they'd be like, well, that's such a great career to have with children. (laughs) And and so um, I just learned to either say I was an accountant, which I did. You know, people like, what do you do? Accountant. No follow up questions. Absolutely. (laughs) Or or they'd be like, that's such a great career to have with children. And I'd be like, whose? Whose children? (laughs) With whose children? (laughs) 
Like just just like it's a stupid it's thing actually to say. Not, it's and, actually a horrible career to have with children. And it's so bad. <laughs> I mean, there's no good career to have with yeah. kids. But like the but yeah. So just like and then, you know, and then at some point people just stop asking because they yeah. learn. I, I you know, as I think about this, it's not Allie's responsibility to share what her choices are. No. But I also think that if she doesn't say anything, they're just gonna keep saying these things. Right. So the second part of the question, though, I think is a, a more difficult needle to thread, which is this person is using their status as a mother to excuse unprofessional behavior. How do you grapple with that? Mm, I, that's so tricky because, again, it, it seems like the previous question in a way that like this might be a person who has been socialized or who has functioned or survived in a corporate setting by taking on some of these boundary crossing roles, right? Like by stepping in, by doing some of the emotional labor that can be really inappropriate sometimes, right? Like then they're using that phrase, like their motherhood as a protective shield. And so it might be, Allie can't address this when it comes to other coworkers. Allie only has to address it when it comes to her. But, you know, it, it might be a situation where Allie is like, you know, I hear your concern and I appreciate maybe that you're looking out for me. Even if you don't, you just got to lie and and say, however, this is a boundary I'd prefer not to cross in a work situation. Thank you so much for understanding. And just like or, you know, say thank you for your concern. You are actually not my mother. And so I will (laughs) be, you know, I will be (laughs) when I need a mother, I have one or, you know, or people who fill that role, which again, you don't have to be personal about your mothers and mother figures in your life, but you just to say like, yeah, it doesn't have to actually be a real statement about your mom. Right. And I think that actually if, if she feels comfortable saying just, you know, Thank you so much for your concern. But, I, you know, just like with my own mom, trying to have boundaries and like figure out my own life or my own work. I think that that would also have the secondary effect of probably helping with the questions about when she's going to have kids. Right. Right. Because it would cool the relationship in some way, Mm -hmm. which is okay. I think sometimes people are like, what happens if I hurt my coworkers feelings slightly? This person does not have to be your best friend. You just have to have a professional relationship with them. Yeah. You just have to get along. So it's okay to push back in yes. the sense where you say like yeah thank you for your concern but here at work I'm concerned about the task at hand so let's mm-hmm. talk about whatever issue it's easy for us to give that advice yeah. I know that it's hard sometimes to say that especially if you like both of us are people pleasers <laughs> who sometimes have difficult times saying difficult things but it's really good practice for all of our lives and practicing scripts, rehearsing with a friend, all of those things can make it easier to actually implement in practice. Yeah. So our next questions we're gonna do somewhat differently. We're gonna do a rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? I'm gonna give the worst advice, let's go. Okay, and it's gonna be each one, we're gonna have like 90 seconds to do and we're not gonna do any setup for them. We're just gonna like do the question and and get to it. So Melody, do you wanna read these? Yeah, here's the first one. My supervisor wears strong perfume that lingers after she leaves the room and makes me nauseated. It feels insubordinate to talk to her about it, but it's affecting my interactions with her. 
Do I talk to her supervisor? Just suck it up. I know my coworkers hate it too. Okay, I'm going to barge in here because I actually know the answer to this one. Go for it. I have a friend who works in HR and she works for a very large company and there are many men who work for this company and a lot of them have body odor. And so people, when there's body odor problem on a team, they talk to HR. And then HR is the person who can convey the complaint anonymously and in a way that is, there are some sensory issues and we would prefer that, you know, at the at the company, this is our ask. It does not have to come from you. It does not have to come from their manager. It should not come from you or their manager. It should come from HR. What Any other takes here other than just like plugging their nose every time they come close? <laughs> Fight fire with fire. Like, <laughs> like get some Axe no, body, body Just, just I want to reiterate, I am not somebody to take advice from. No, I mean, I would have said just, you know, like, just maybe talk to HR and just say, like, I have a sensory issue or, like, I'm allergic to some smells and, like, you know, this one is bothering me and I've tried to find some ways of coping, but it doesn't seem to be working and it's affecting my work is there something and like yeah, yeah hr deals with odor issues i think it's probably yes. like you know like number two on their list of things they have protocols for so all right melody number two in corporate white collar type office settings is it generally acceptable to paint or clip your fingernails i've always associated it with personal and not public grooming so i wanted to understand if that's normal because i have seen it a few times all right liz what's what's hot take here I don't understand this question. I mean, with all due respect to the question asker, like, are they saying, like, to clip them in the office? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh. Am- <laughs> <laughs> so this is, like, people clip them on the subway in New York. It's a very common thing. I mean, like, maybe, maybe I'm just a little sheltered Iowa baby, but in all my jobs, and I have seen something. I've never seen somebody clip in the office office that is revolting uh like you know, getting their little fingernail clippies everywhere first of all that's dna evidence and they should just keep their shit tight is what we need but um yeah i wonder if that's in a situation where you're also like hey this person's like clip because that's a smell thing too like with the fumes and the I don't there's know, no man. fumes when you're clipping your fingernails. But what, what about painting? About? But painting. Well, painting is different. No, we're talking about clipping, like just your your normal. Cl- this is I've almost exclusively see, seen men do this as well. So I think Ugh. that there's just kind of like a a disconnect there because there's probably not a lot of other grooming that's going on. Do you think it's just something you got to <laughs> suck up and take, or like if it's your cube mate? Oh, can you imagine? Gross. Yeah, I don't know if you could complain to HR about this because Mm-mm. they would be like, yeah, good. I mean, I have I have misophonia, which is an actual condition where especially around your menstrual cycle, certain sounds feel like nails on a chalkboard to you. Like they you cannot concentrate. You you feel like you want to throttle something. And for me, the big one is people uh, making ice go back and forth in a drink. Mm. Like I will be on a plane and I will like have to be clenching my fists, resisting going to the person in front of me with their ice just going back in their cup. I can't like say to HR, no. I can't be around this. I have to remove myself from a situation. So that would be the thing. Like if you can, if you see someone starting to clip their fingernails, I would just like, okay, it's time for me to take a walk around the block. But generally... No. I've never seen that, and that is awful. And time to get some noise-canceling headphones. Or, yeah, that yeah. too. Take that a too. lap. Take yeah. a lap. 
Okay, number three, Melody. We don't have trash bins in two of the women's restroom stalls. None of the men, my boss, facilities, etc., seem to get why this is an important and timely issue. I've been asking them for over a year now. What the hell am I supposed to do about equality and DEAI when I can't even get a tampon trash can? You steal trash cans from the men's bathroom and put them in the women's bathroom. (laughs) That's it. Like... It's like you are going to get fired. No, just grab a trash can and put it in. Yeah. I also think that uh, depending on how empowered this person feels in their workplace, they say very clearly, this is so that we do not have to carry our bloody menstrual objects from the toilets to the, the sink area. Like you you make them uncomfortable by by emphasizing what it right. is. Right. Or like flush them down the toilet and cause yeah. like a bigger facilities issue. Yes. Be like, do you want to do you want to have to deal with plug toilets all the time? This is like, okay, very quickly. Uh we were in a temporary office at BuzzFeed and they had brand new toilets that were like the um low flush toilets, right? And something about the design was off. And so not from people flushing tampons, but from flushing poop, they were always overflowing. And we would get these angry, stern emails that said, you guys need to flush the toilets. And we're like, we are flushing the toilet. Like, this is not a personal problem. This is a systems problem. <laughs> they were like, we have guests come into the office. We don't want them to see poop on the ground. Like Again, not our problem. So this is not this woman's problem. I am just livid that they have to deal with it. So they can either do what Liz suggests, which is steal the other person's <laughs> trash cans, or be very clear about it. So, all right, Melody. I work in nonprofit, and a few years ago, I received my first promotion and a small raise. Afterwards, my boss insisted I write a thank you note to our director for the promotion and raise, which I did, though I was confused and reluctant to do so. I left it in her mailbox, and at one point my boss said our director has even asked about it, as if she had not received it, so I know she was expecting it. I always thought that promotions and raises were the company saying thank you to an employee for their hard work. Am I off base to think this was weird and kind of inappropriate? Who who sends a thank you note for a raise? Liz, what do we do here? Yes, it is weird. It is inappropriate. But I think it's one of those things where it's just like, you just got to do it. Especially in like, I think there's for nonprofits, you know, finding extra money, like often involves like, you know, fundraising for it or finding a new grant or something like that. So yes, like this person is clearly entitled to their raise, has clearly earned it. But it's also like one of those things where it's like you work in a low compensated field where everybody probably feels like you're holding the world on your shoulders. And so, yeah, but I also think it's like, you just gotta do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's what, yeah, you can't just, what are you going to do? The boss is helping you out here saying like, you probably need to do this. This person expects it. uh, does So just get it done. And it's just one of those things you got to suck up and do, but it does seem wrong. So two things. I think that the manager did a lot of convincing work, right, to get this director on board with the race, right? And that probably had to like sell the case really hard and also probably talked a lot about like this person will be so grateful for this raise, blah, blah, blah. So writing the thank you note is like finishing the circle. It sucks, though. And I think it is actually indicative of all of the problems with nonprofit work culture. Do it in this 
situation while also understanding that like this is not a normal thing this is not okay like your feelings about this are absolutely correct make the thank you card really ugly that would just be my advice just like yeah (laughs) yeah and just (laughs) make like one with like the little weird cat cartoons on the front (laughs) like hang in there Thank you so much for my like just yes. really incongruous with the message, yes. but benignly so. Yes, um, perfect. Yeah. So, Liz, just as a general last question, your advice when people are acting in the way that we have discussed today. <laughs> I mean, you said it before, like it's humor, but underneath that humor, what is your posture when you're dealing with people doing these things? You know, I turned 40 in December. Congratulations to me for living for so long. But I think my response in my uh, early 20s was a lot different, right? Like, I really tried hard to make people feel comfortable. And so, like, my response was always like, okay, how do I deal with this? How do I, you know, how do I handle this? Or, like, I'm going to be the ones, like, leaving the signs in the kitchen, like, please wash your own mugs or whatever. And, like, now my posture is more one of, like, you come to me. (laughs) Like, you come to me on the day of my daughter. Like I, I, I am more inclined to put things on ice, to prioritize my own work and to just be really forthright and not feel so obligated to kowtow. And I also understand that that is a little bit of a place of privilege. Like I, I didn't, I, if I had done that from the beginning, It might not have gotten there, but I've also learned, too, that when I stopped, like when I stopped trying to be something or someone else, that's when my career really took Mm -hmm. off. And also just realizing that other people's feelings are not my problem. Yeah. Other people's feelings about you are are none of your business sometimes. Mm. And they're allowed to have them. You've had Josh Gondelman on, and he said this thing to me once when I was complaining about somebody's treatment of me to him. And he said, you know, they're allowed not to like you. And I was like, oh, what a freeing thing. Like, it's just, it's so, like, level-headed. Yeah, people are allowed not to like me, and Lord knows I hate most people, too. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's just so freeing that you don't, you can just let that go, you know? Yeah. And, of course, Josh, the nicest human on planet Earth, would be the one who gives me that advice, so... Liz, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? My newsletter is the best place, and it is Liz, L-Y-Z dot substack dot com. I also have a website, Liz Lens, L-Y-Z-L-E-N-Z dot com. I'm sort of on Twitter, I guess. I tried all the other social things, but they all feel empty and meaningless. And it's also January in Iowa, so everything feels empty and meaningless. On that note, I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks so much to Liz Lenz for joining me today. And thanks to you for listening to Work Appropriate. If you've got a workplace quandary you want help figuring out, get in touch. You can find submission guidelines at workappropriate.com or send a voice memo with your question to workappropriate at crooked.com. Your questions help us figure out what to plan our episodes around and who to invite as guest hosts, so keep them coming. Work Appropriate is a Crooked Media production. 
I'm Anne Helen Peterson, your host. Our executive producers are Kendra James and Sandy Gerard. Melody Rowell is our producer and editor. Allison Falzetta is our development producer. Music is composed by Chanel Critchlow. Additional production support from Ari Schwartz. And special thanks to Katie Long and Sarah Geismer. You can follow me on Instagram at Anne Helen Peterson, and you can sign up for my newsletter at annhelen.substack.com. Next week, what do you do when it feels like your ambition has just died? Or when your ambition rules everything around you? Be sure to subscribe to Work Appropriate in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss it.